Thanks very much. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate the chance to come and uh, have my 10 minutes to, uh, to share with you. And I've got to say, this is the coolest place I've ever been able to give a talk before. It's not like this. The School of Pharmacy, we're a bunch of nerds in the School of like the very definition of nerds. So I, I love getting into a, into a, cool, into a cooler place. Uh, as uh, the table has been set, as you've heard, for the Nash, some of the national numbers about the uh, prescription opioid and heroin epidemic that we're facing. You've heard a little bit already, some of this, I'm going to fly through pretty quickly, about the uh, increases in both the quantity of drug that has been dispensed uh, into the population, and then along with it, the number of overdose deaths uh, on a population-adjusted basis, and the treatment admissions, everything following along, which we, we know to be true. Uh, you already heard this number, another way of putting this. In 2013, there were 259 million opioid prescriptions dispensed at retail. And I'm coming from the pharmacy side, so those are the numbers I see first, are how many prescriptions went out at retail. And again, that's the, like the number you heard, it's enough for every American adult to have a bottle of pills dispensed every year. It's a staggering quantity going into medicine cabinets uh, everywhere. Uh, in Colorado, uh, the most recent data that I have are from August, uh, just over a month ago, and about 505,000 Coloradans unique Coloradans received an opioid prescription in Colorado. It's about 11.5% of our population. And you look back month over month, and it's always averaging about 11% of our population getting an opioid prescription every month in Colorado. So if you figure in the average quantities, what do you ex ex figure those average quantities are? They aren't six tablets or 10 tablets. Average quantities are between 30 and 180 per prescription. So if you try to do the math and figure, gee, how much is going into the medicine cabinets in Colorado, it's a staggering amount of opioid that is available. Uh, you've heard about some of the mortality statistics. One of the more striking things that I saw was the Colorado Health Institute uh, took the CDC uh, data from last year and the, the 12 years prior and mapped this out for every county in the US. Uh, the CHI did this for a Colorado level map. And I'm going to show you how this rolls from 2002 to 2014. And you can see there the rates that, that are displayed are the number uh, in the, the lighter shades are 0 to 20 uh, persons. And the rate is worse if it's a, a darker red color like down in Castilla and Warpano counties, which even in 2002, their numbers were at the national average for overdose death then. And if you watch over the 12 year span, 2003, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, and 14, and scrolls through to see how that builds. Just about everywhere in Colorado is bright red. And the only county, Mineral County, county has so few people in it that if they have one overdose death, they will flip and become among the top five counties in the state in terms of rate. So everybody says, well, I want to go down to Mineral County. I said, be very careful, because the other four people there, if any one of you has, the, has an overdose, you'll, you'll, you'll uh, throw off the curve. So obviously, it's a huge problem. People say, is it an urban problem? I say, yes. Is it a, because Arapahoe, Adams, Boulder counties have very high rates? Uh, Pueblo County is, is, is urban in terms of population. Their rate is 36 per 100,000 per year. It's you know, three standard deviations above the national average in Pueblo. Same with the San Luis Valley, has a huge problem and into southeast Colorado. Their rates are extremely high in terms of overdose deaths. So 
yes, it's an urban problem. Yes, it's a rural problem. Yes, it's a frontier problem, uh, no matter where you are in Colorado. In those 12 years, it's a 500% increase in overdose deaths, so very sobering. But we know that's not the only issue. For every one of those deaths, there are 10 treatment admissions, 32 emergency department visits, 130 people who meet criteria for substance use disorder, and 825 people who admit self-reported non-medical use. And we know that number to be an underestimate. Best guesses are it's two to threefold. So say that could be 2,500. If you're, because you know, I don't know how many people you know, will it freely admit if we give you a survey on the way out that you, you sped on I-25 getting on your way over here. Okay, I did. I was above 55 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone, I will. But I'm probably one of the few people that will admit it. So we think that number is actually low, the 825. But if you do the math, it's a staggering number of people that are self-reporting non-medical use. And that's the folks that start in the medicine cabinet and end up going down this spiral. 73% of people who end up in uh, an addiction treatment facility started in the medicine cabinet of a family member or friend with a prescription that was not theirs. So that's the easiest low-hanging fruit to try to address. We also know the cost of this for those the economists in the crowd. Uh, that in 2006, this was about $50 billion. And the vast majority of the cost was not medical, even though the medical complications are not cheap. Most of this was treatment, criminal justice, and then lost productivity. The impact that this really has, that addiction really has on communities and families, is in lost productivity. And that counts for caregiving for your family. You can't, you can't get to school. You can't provide for your family. You can't take care of your children, or you can't take care of your elderly parent. That's just the most significant impact of all of this about addiction in general is that lost productivity cost. That's where it hurts us all the most. That number just got, got updated in the past couple of weeks by someone at CDC who updated these numbers up to 2013, and this cost is now up to about $80 billion. And I've talked to economists that, that disagree and say the methodology is flawed and vastly underestimates this, and really we're probably talking something in the $200 billion range because it was kind of junior varsity economics that the CDC does, and it's really not economics, is what these economists tell me. And I'm, I'm not in any position to, to arbitrate that argument, but 80 billion still sounds big to me. So what we need to do, right, is get everybody who's all the folks who are addicted to get them treatment. We know, however, that we have about a 90% treatment gap. In 2011, the best data we had was there were 21 million people needing treatment, but only 2.3 million people receiving it. That, you know, any, any other condition that we had a 90% treatment gap, I think we would have an outrage and march on Washington if 90% of people with cancer could not get access to chemotherapy. I can only imagine what the outcry would be. Or 90% of people with diabetes could not get metformin or insulin. Sorry, we, we can't get that for you. Even if you're ready to have your diabetes treated. Or I want chemo. Sorry, 9 out of 10 can't have it. That's the state of affairs with addiction. Some say this has improved. I don't know how much improvement it is when you say the treatment gap may have come down into the low 80s. I, you know, I think improvement is going to be when we get this down to the 5% or 3%. That's improvement. But right now they say, well, maybe it's down to 80%. And whether you use the 2011 data or the 2014 data, it almost doesn't matter. It's, a, it's, it's very uh, scary. And so we, you know, we, can, we know we can't build our way out of this, so we need to do some of this at least on an outpatient basis, right, and get docs prescribing methadone or, or suboxone, buprenorphine. 
but the data waived physicians in Colorado right now, we are one of the lower states in terms of fewer than three per 100,000 population have data waivers. We know there's just under 200 of them in Colorado total. Fewer than a third accept Medicaid. Of those, fewer than a quarter are taking patients because they're already full in terms of what they can handle. Because their handle is not the 100 that the data waiver can get up to. They say, well, I couldn't treat 100 if I wanted to treat 100. So we're going to raise the data waiver to 275. I don't care. I can't treat 275. I can't treat 100. I can barely treat 30. What we need is more providers, not raising the ceiling per provider. So that's, that's something we're trying to work on. So obviously, we have a serious problem in Colorado. We've tried to develop a collaborative approach to developing solutions. Uh, we started with a Colorado plan to reduce prescription drug abuse that we created in 2013 at the behest of the governor. Uh, and since then, we have formed our statewide task force. We just call it the Colorado Consortium for Prescription Drug Abuse Prevention because we had to have a name that was way too long and you couldn't understand. <laughs> but it's basically our statewide task force. And we focus on nine different aspects of the problem. I'm not going to go through each of these, but they go from every aspect that you can imagine, from trying to increase treatment, improve the PDMP, provider education, public awareness, safe disposal, all the things that we think we need to be working on. You're going to hear about a couple of them in more depth as uh, someone else comes up here. So I'm going to let her cover one of those aspects. Uh, but we have a, an integrated approach to try to do this in a collaborative way. And we, uh, uh, have things like our public awareness campaign, uh, a safe disposal program that we're launching in January so that every county in Colorado will have a permanent take-back disposal option 24-7, at least in every county to start with. And then beyond that, we'll expand it so that people don't have to drive more than an hour and we can get to a drop box. Because we know that 73% of the all those 259 million prescriptions in the medicine cabinet, we got to get rid of it. So we're doing those kinds of things. And my closing slide is I would implore you all to go to this website, corxconsortium.org, click on the Join button. I think it might be a Get Involved button because it sounds better to get involved than joining. But it's a Get Involved button. And pick one of these work groups and, and help us. Pick up a shovel. We have several physicians on each of these work groups, and we need more because nobody speaks more loudly, I think, to, to people than the voice of physicians. People do listen to you, listen to what you say. So get involved and join us in helping uh, craft collaborative solutions. So thanks very much. <laughs>